Scene two of Gruach. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Gruach by Gordon Bottomley. Scene two. The same. The torches have burnt out. The glow of the fire is still great enough to illumine the lower part of the hall, but the upper part and the arcade are lost in darkness. The envoy is asleep in the chair by the fire, his head on his hand. Awakening and sitting up. Yes? Who is that? Disquiet that is not sound wakes me again. I watch becalmed on a dark tide of sleep that has no murmurs, yet when its small motion withdraws me from myself I hear each time a voice that has no substance. Too many men have died in this old fastness, or else the spirits of its living cannot suspend their eager operation and sleep, as bodies that waste must sleep. I would pray to sleep if I could dream of her, and to sleep long. I lose myself in her with every thought, yet when I lose myself in drifts of sleep she never comes as I would come to her. I only hear behind a shaking curtain an unknown presence wrapped with rumorings of urgency quick flame and wilful wreck it seems she does not turn to me in sleep so i'll not sleep again a small light passes slowly from right to left along the high arcade the envoy shifts in his chair and handles his dagger a light a light though light is honesty yet light at midnight oftenest shines on knaves and deeds of darkness sometimes seek a glimmer to bud and open in is this the oaf that comes to spy or stab gruach descends the stair walking in her sleep and bearing a small and lighted night-lamp she is in her night-clothes and tumbled tangled masses of hair that escape from her nightcap fall about her like a golden shawl the envoy, half rising. Lady, how did you know? She is unconscious of him, and as she emerges from the arch, turns from him toward the place where he stood at their first meeting. She moves slowly and uncertainly, and in bearing and demeanour reproduces Fern's description of her appearance on the previous night. Beautiful stranger, why are you here? I did but change my gown, and in a moment you come from empty valleys. Oh, me! If I had missed you, my lord! You are so kingly made, fair and desirable. I am drowned in flushes of gladness. I would cover you with my being like a veil to hide you from women. I would pour out my being over you like faint moonlight that is yet universal and enfolds kings and their kingdoms. Will you take me? Will you not? Aye. The light is going fast. I cannot see you plainly now. Oh, where, where are you? Here. Say it again. Tell me once more, blessed spirit. Repeat thyself, be thine own mirror, and show me twice thy heart. When wilt thou take me? Now. You have gone farther off. Will you leave me? Whence do you speak to me? Out of the darkness. I shall not leave you until you bid me go. Am I a stranger now? I to myself am strange. 
i do not know my voice my stumbling senses or my will but there is nothing strange in you white lady as in a welcome dream nothing is strange when newly come delight seems in a moment to have been ours for life i have believed that you were on the earth as some believe in gods they cannot see in this first hour love is not born in me i recognize i remember i possess i am here to take my own yes yes oh do not cease you utter many words i am tired i catch in vain at them as they gleam past but in your voice is truth and truth that oftenest means unkindness this once is joy men have too many words but there's a word that holds all others as you hold for me the provocation of all disquieting women this love is to strike deep and when you awake you shall be sure of me you shall devote fire of your brain fire of your heart to me where where your voice sounds close below me you must not kneel to me come come to me i would bend down and clasp you into my breath but creeping palsies hold me my arms and thighs are heavy things that will not move for me you know she binds me you can loose me you dare not act envoy as he starts to his feet and approaches gruach falter no more in the dim passages that in the outer walls of life's house burrow and endlessly return upon themselves awake and with me dare awake awake gruach awaking loosens her hold of her lamp which goes out in falling she stares startled then with a plaintive long sigh reels and sinks the envoy reaches her barely in time to receive her in his arms have i broken the bird's wings to catch the bird have i shattered the door of her mind to enter there this ruin is done in me i have unbuilt the only hallowed place where i can worship her heart begins anew and nascent life is trembling everywhere he kisses her not any words shall peril her again by sudden occurrence i'll use a quieter means and through a more unwary sense infuse my life into her sources into her thought he kisses her repeatedly where am i what have i done some distillation lately touched my lips a freshness that awoke me lingers there what will you do with me beautiful stranger why are you here who are you go from my chamber loose me leave me loose me let me go she first seizes his shoulders to push him from her then slips her arms about his waist and wrestles with him her onset almost overthrows him and he only continues with difficulty to hold his own listen i am the same macbeth it was the distillation of my soul thieves are men of the night murderers are men of the night you have the stoats and the fumart's passion for throats in the dark you are not one who kills in the open you would kill in sleep and in the vile safety of a private room oh fuck you foul treacherous beast aha aha my hand is on your dagger let go your hold or i'll drive it down the side of your neck strike her bare arm shoots up to bring the dagger down with force he catches her wrist in the air 
lately i heard your spirit take a voice and from outside our earth-taught reticence speak sure and clear and deathless and afar like the first half-waked bird in spring's first dawn its darkling dewy murmurs then gave up your mind to me your being to me would you undo it in a waking dream you you oh dangerous knife what thoughts have you pressed into its haft of old not many breaths ago its touch lit in me conceptions of destroying unknown to me my mind was ready and i did intend to strike you down and desolate my years the dagger falls from her hand speak softly my lord but speak how have you found my chamber look about you why have you brought me here you came alone were you here before me surely but why but why i have slept here had you then thought to meet me we might have met no more did you not care i cared to do your wish more than my duty i was cheated of choice your elder kinswoman denied to me your offered bridal-bed i would have lain beside it on the floor deprived me of the kneeling-room you gave near to your feet at the altar and of the seat upon your bench at the board and left me nothing but leave to ride away before you rose i am sick in my limbs and my mind to learn so late i might have lost you while i dreamed of you for i have dreamed of you to-night my lord in the security of a sweet to-morrow i am sick in my reins and my compassionate body to feel each time you speak that i have meant to tear your flesh with a sharpened piece of iron you know what it means to me do you not and yet i do not know why i am here you sought in sleep the stations of our meeting as holy women the stations of the cross to act again life's chosen passionate hour i am not a sapless girl to walk and sleep i can control my force you came to me you told me all i know i did not speak i dreamed i heard your voice but not my own if women spoke in sleep they would awake they have suspicious ears what have i said the things you felt last night heart-shaking things that timid men teach women to wait to hear the truth of your live spirit loosed unaware that rising suddenly from ancient darkness took on its wings the light of the next dawn before the lonely night below was past the rapture of presence the offering of love the radiance of surrender of these you spoke all all is true what more have i said what else you uttered no more but love it was well said i could not say it now conscious that you would hear i am glad it is done and you i dreamed your voice but not your words the rapture of presence the offering of love a sense of strange remembrance i told of these i knew it all last night what will you do time and men's rules will part us quickly now and nothing will be left my father's race is ruined my mother's kin hems me in here in grim solicitude my cousin and his mother demand my hand they mean my land i cannot stand alone even the trees and mountains in this wildness huddle together against the blasts of time and planetary tempests what should i do 
this is my hour of fate. This is the time when I must break the blind, restricted seed that I am now, move with the winds of life, and yield my mental issue to them again, or in this present burial rot and change. Is your love strength or weakness? What will you do? Help me, and now— I shall not ride away as I was bidden, I shall remain. When Fortingall has all his guests about him, I will declare our love, and by the weight of Duncan's kinship, insisting on obedience, forbid your marriage until I come again, my errand to Caithness done, and claim your troth, marry you here, and carry you to Schoon. You will not get away from them alive. There are no king's men here. And if the king sends men to look for you, they will not know which rock in this rough valley was chosen for your gravestone. You must ride now as you were bidden. And yet you must not ride from me. Take me to Schoon. I should be here no more if you returned. That will not much commend us to the king. Then I'll to Caithness, too. But now, now, now! You must ride now, and I must go with you. But shall we not be followed? To the death. Why must I risk your life? The chance is good. Conan can only think one thought at once. His hunt will storm to Inverness, while we ride north by east until we are far from here. And wed in Caithness Church? And swiftly are wed in the first church we come to when we are clear. Ride with me. Let us go. Sir, are you sure of me? Before you take me you should be told I was born your enemy. I am of a more ancient house of kings than you. King Kenneth was among my fathers. Then with your love you bring a power over many minds that, if we are added truly to each other, can set us higher than either house has stood. You can be great if you are so great-hearted. You are my Redeemer. You shall have my faith, service and I can serve you with men's truth. Devotion, and I could wreck myself, my world, to reach its end your good. One thing is mordant in me at thought of you. When we fought body to body you overcame. I must undo it. Let us strive again. Come, let me grasp you. She holds out her arms to him. He takes her hands and draws her toward him. With a low cry she feigns to faint, and he catches her to him. She lays her head on his shoulder, and laughs lightly and gently. Circling each other so in soft enclosure, loosening our folds with mutual moving breath, our wreathing seems to rustle and expand, as crushed unwrinkling petals in a bud widen together in unbroken touch begin a blossom's effluence, concede a blossom's trembling welcome to the night that fills it, and that it believes it fills. Beloved, we are foolish. We should ride. Put on your clothes. I go to saddle horses. I have no clothes. All that I ever had are in my chamber under the tower roof. I dare not fetch them. I might rouse many sleepers. Everything I have worn since my hair grew long was spun and woven and stitched in Fortingal. My kin shall feel my clouts flung back at them if I go out with nothing. I can endure it. I have gone barefoot in snow before to-night, and there is now no snow. 
you cannot live against the rushing sharpness if we push north to-night going to the curtained recess there are furs here you shall be wrapped in them he brings furs piled on his arm and throws them down before her no not the white one the white bearskin is ferns from norway she was born cold and bloodless she is soon chilled she needs it bring the wolf cloak put it round me your thin white feet are far too cold already to start on such a journey are there no shoes ay in the tower but shoes in the air are useless we shall find old brogues in the stable what horse shall i saddle for you saddle no horse for me i must ride with you two tracks would tell our tale more certainly will you mount black fingal here his hoofs would sound on the stones halter him to the ring at the outer gate i will shortly join you there envoy having opened the door snow there is snow oh tranquil dreadful calm oh deadly peace we are shut back into the cast-off life by pale relentless softly closing gates that no man ever opened we may not ride to-night your fate has fallen or is it mine that hurts you he throws open both doors the ground is seen to sink sharply away from the threshold to a narrow white valley among white mountains a faintness in the sky permeates a dense mist of lightly falling snow o oh, joyful silence soundlessly dropping curtains about the secret chamber of the earth that shall contain our bridal bed o oh, sleep the bride's white hush is in me i will part the soundless curtains and meet what is within either continuing sleep that can withdraw me from this dead life with love my latest hope or delicate wildering waking in some pale room to find my love with me will you not come my lord the snow is but assaulting yet i go for in an hour the breeding feeding storm will cover our footprints stifle all pursuit we can point straight for inverness untracked and thread the perilous pass ere drifts are deep know you the roads i know them i am ready if the storm clears our dark shapes will be seen afar in the thin air she steps to the pile of furs throwing off her cloak as she goes wear conan's sheepskin coat help me to don fern's bearskin cloak lift up the hood stay stay i must put up my hair first she tears off her nightcap and throws it into the sinking fire i have no pins where's your little dagger envoy stooping where the dagger lies it fell in the rushes gruach holding her upcoiled hair with one hand give it to me she thrusts it through the coil of hair cover my head with the hood is your horse dark like you he is black as smoke you can abandon him conan's white battle-horse will serve us better few men can see him moving against new snow he saved me in a clenched stark river fight when armored men went down a falling spate and heavier horses under them again he saved me from a murderer in the night by crying out in his stall across a garth when i shall enter the stable presently he will speak to me before i am in his sight he will stamp until i speak to him and touch i cannot leave him here you set me in more danger although you should devote your life to him you cannot keep him more than a dozen years do you put a horse before me speak be sure 
the king could send a rout of men-at-arms to claim him later soon in his own name turning to the door which is the horse white uthel is near the door shall i return for you i would first write this life's last things i cannot forego it now give me some leave to write on i have nothing her scrivening skins are locked away i have nothing what is there in your wallet nothing is there save my king's letter to the caithness jarl the margin of that will serve we must not touch it lady the king's hand is hallowed the king's seal is inviolable with it i lose my life your life is not your own it is now mine show me the letter beloved it must not be gruach laying one hand on his shoulder and taking the letter from his wallet with the other it must it is my pride that it shall be she breaks the seal and opens the letter your dear hands are soon cruel look it is well this piece is bare save for a superscription and half of the king's name within the fold it is too thick to tear not for the teeth she bites the edge then tears off one portion of the letter keep this it is enough i have not hurt you there is still more left than the jarl will care to read i must blame some serving man for this it is not wise for a well-born man to say he has been so familiar with a menial that such a letter could come into base hands dearest and dearer pardon me for the sake of the true words i shall write on it to my kin you have no pen gruach searching among the ashes on the hearth a wood coal twig writes well beloved you loiter long hasten and evermore hasten the bridal dawn is near my enemies awake envoy as he goes out by the great door i serve you for ever white spouse i shall be ready ere you he disappears downward to the right gruach lays the fragment of the letter on the table to the right and stoops over it to write is it so soon what shall i suddenly believe this life is done and i can go i am not foolish yet in my deep places i know it is not so i know the way in which hope gutters out in a cold draught and life is seen to be a habit heavy to put down courage vision and eagerness the marvel of this night being perfect now some meagre unexpected chance can soon flaw and disperse it in a long sick moment perfection being momentary of nature and when the kind deceitful darkness over impoverishing daylight shows to me the dead life here i shall be here alone oh let me dream anew and in a dream of uttered scorn sting vivid life to spring back to my sinking heart to the lady of fortingal i am not of your blood to obey you i will not mother your blood i would live so i leave you for your lodging and nurture take the bride of fortingal's clothes in payment you will find a doll to fit them who will sit where you put her i have given away my lands keep your hands and feet from them to the heir of fortingal if you would be married choose your wife for yourself i have gone away with a man and you will not see me again to fern i leave you my love with my wisdom when you meet a proper man take him before another woman can 
you will not come to life until you cross your own threshold and sit by your own hearth. Gruach. It is an aged woman's hand. I cannot write to-night. The hand may waver, the flanks shake, the limbs tremble as mine do now, and yet the heart may hold its firm and steadfast course untouched, being nearer to the mind. But here the immediate substance of my heart slackens and shivers, my mental force withdrawn. I have no strength to continue this delay. Oh, he is too long. Why should a fair strange man regard my lot or reverence my will? He need not do it. He will not come again, and this is all. I'll go to him. Is that a sound? A door upstairs? A footfall? She runs to the stairfoot and listens. Nothing. A gown trailing? Nothing. Nothing. Envoy, as he approaches the doorway from the right. The outer gate is locked. The key is here. She disappears through the low doorway to the right, and returns instantly with a large, long key. We can lock the door outside and ride away with it. <laughs> as we go down and pass the stable door, do not ask me to speak. Fingal would hear. Let me go first. Step then upon my footprints and wipe them off my kindred soil for ever. Before our life begins, before we go, tell in this hallowed place the name I have not heard, whose sound I await as waking eager birds await the light. Your name, my light, your name. Within the dark immuring womb a blind and unseen child is nameless, and I, too, unliving and immured, will have no name in my subjection. This white waif of night shall have no name for you. The altar-priest shall speak it first to you. Before we leave this iron-coloured prison, vow you to me, that when you have the weight in the king's mind to do a lawless thing, you will return and tumble down these walls into a cairn of stones, and burn the stones to ashen dust wherein no weed will strike. This is a holy house for me. The hands I lay on it would turn to hands of blessing. The husk that has shed you is still a shrine which in my old age I shall seek again. We cannot burn the past. It would stand yet in you, in me. Then let it stand for me. Lift up your hand and vow for love of me. I will do all that any man can do for love of you. Gruach, going to the hearth and gathering a handful of wood-ash. It shall go down, or like a broken tree whiten and crumble to a hollow bone. The moon shall soften it to a cowering dread, and shapeless noises shall inhabit it. She moves slowly from the hearth to the great door, scattering the ash with a sower's motion as she goes. I sow, and I sow the chaff of the seed of fire. The waving, barren harvest of wilding flame shall here spring up, nourished by stormy air. Come, ruin, ruin and grief upon this old dwelling of sorrow and my captivity. My mother died of grief. It is not ill her hard, unfaithful race should die of grief. Come, ruin, down upon their greedy life, destruction and unseating of the mind, Woe be embodied to their unclosing eyes while brackish tears run down and lodge in their lips, and all they have flies up in flakes of flame 
to fall as now these ashes. With the last word she reaches the threshold, where she turns to the envoy. Come, Macbeth. She goes out by the great door, and descending is to the right, quickly disappears. The envoy follows her. After a short pause an owl cries twice with a long retreating sound, as if disturbed and flying away. A light passes from right to left of the high arcade. Donald ascends the stair, a lamp in his hand. The stranger is not here. He is gone, maybe. That would be well. We want no king's men here, among the annoyances of a day of rejoicing. How cold the house is grown! Both doors left open. He has certainly gone. He must be highly born to be so careless. Snow, snow, snow. It is the last injustice of the order of things for snow to be added to the burdens of a feast day. Men will tread it in and out and in again. Fine ladies will tread it upstairs and downstairs and spread it with their skirts until the bride's chamber is like the track to the cowsheds in a wet autumn. I can but shoot it out a while. He turns to go out by the low door. Then he sees Gruach's letter on the table. A letter? This is the strangest courtesies. He is not graceless, though an upstart's man. Gruach, what have I here? The young man has truly gone, and with what he could carry. The new king's men are all reavers and robbers. I will not mother your blood. I have given away my lands. I have gone away with a man. You will not see me again. Oh, ho, oh, ho, here are great things to do. But which is first? He stands in deep consideration, the letter in his hand. A sound of scuffling and women's voices wrangling comes from the high arcade. Presently one of the young women hurries down the stair, pulling the girl after her by the arm and followed by the other young woman, who thrusts the girl forward from behind. The girl stands sobbing and rubbing her eyes. She is only half-dressed, and carries the rest of her clothes under her arm. "'Come on, onion-peeler, grease-skimmer, rancid rags. You shall learn not to lie in bed like an earl's daughter.' "'I will not go! I will not!' "'Like a bed. You ought to be up first. Pinching her. Will you remember? If you are not down in time to kindle my fires, you shall be pinched all over, all over, all over, until you are like a bush of ripe blackberries. So. Oh! And so. Oh! And so. Oh! I'll not bear it. I'll not stay, you murderers. My mother told me to go straight home to her if the kitchen ladies at the castle were unkind to me. Go home to her now. She will be glad to see you. And gladder still to see old Margaret after you. I cannot help it. I cannot. Indeed I cannot. When I am with you by day I only see what is there. But every night when I am alone the sight comes on me. It will not let me sleep until the dawn begins. Then I am heavy and sick. Let me lie down. Pity, pity me. What do you see, you mole, when the sight is on you? I see the Lady Gruach. <laughs> <laughs> we all see Lady Gruach more than we choose. 
she never keeps us awake. Nor do we call it second sight when she appears. I tell you, I see the Lady Gruach every night. She is covered from shoulder to foot with a trailing, spreading cloak that is not red like blood nor blue like the deep lake, yet gleams of both in the folds. It is covered with green, bright eyes. There are large green lights in her hair over both her ears. She wears a golden crown as if she is a queen. Her pitiless face alarms, yet I must look and look. Her gaze is hard to me. Yet when we meet by day, she holds no memory of me in those cold eyes. Nightly she bears a dagger. Shivering liar, that finds you out. You have neither sight nor truth. Queens carry sceptres. They are not seen with daggers. And how can Grog ever become a queen? She is to at Long Conan, after sunrise. She bears a dagger, a red dagger. First young woman seizing a tangle of the girl's dangling hair. "'Come on! Your second sight is not worth waiting for. You had better see your own ghost lighting fires, for that is all you are worth. Come on!' Second young woman, seizing the girl's hanging hair on the other side. "'Come down. Come down. You shall draw me the water.' "'Oh, no! No! Oh, no! Oh!' They hurry the girl by her hair out through the low doorway to the right. She sobs and protests inarticulately and struggles as they go. The boy descends the stair quickly and follows the women out. Margaret follows the boy down the stair. The women are too noisy. Let them alone. The girl from the Clachan has been married at home. She needs rough teasing. They are not too rough. They are too noisy. They must be spoken to. Let them alone. There is a graver thing to speak of now. The man who yester-eve knocked at our gate has carried off young Groach in the night. Go down and stop the roasting and the boiling. I go to raise the house and the whole township to send our riders to hunt the naughty child, and others to meet the wedding guests who ride and turn them home again. How have you heard of it? By Groach's hand. I found this writing on the table here. Margaret takes the letter, turns it about all ways, and throws it on the table. Leave it for others to find. All shall go on. Again, old friend, you are about to be a foolish, vain, officious, blind old man. What have you to do with it? What have I? Morag is aging. When the old devil dies, we do not want a ferret-eyed young mistress to keep us still uneasy. Let her go. Fern is mild, Conan will follow her. And let the feast go on. Conan would feast if Gruach were dead, and welcome the event that brought him many guests. He will not miss a bride he feared, if he may eat. Come down, I'll lift the crust of the lamb pie for you. She goes out by the low door. Elderly women believe they are always right, but this one may be, no. He follows Margaret out. The two serving-men descend the stair. One supports the other. You are drunk. I am not drunk. I say you are drunk. I am not drunk. I was comfortable last night, but now I've slept it off. You can see for yourself. You have not had the time to sleep it off. We are fetched out of bed at an immoral hour. Ugh. Oh, most unhealthy hour. 
and modest hour but all will be well to-morrow in the morning the new young mistress oh, the pink and coy young mistress will not forsake her bed to-morrow morn at the unwise hours ordained by the old mistress that is deep wisdom you are drunk nevertheless i say i am not drunk they go out together affectionately by the low door conan descends the stair stealthily peeping round the corner mistrustfully as he comes he is in his shirt and cross-guarded braces and barefooted he holds a sword out of sight at his side the disquieting stranger is gone he is truly gone he has not finished here he will return he shall not pass my outer gate again but he is gone i should be easy now if this were not my wedding day the thane of ardvin's daughters will look at me to watch with mocking eyes what i shall do and gruach will not look at me nor seem to know i stand or kneel or sit by her but that's no grief when she does look at me she brims with discomfort she's not fit to be a wife she follows her own will i'd leave her wed the bridge and blacksmith's daughter she fills her clothes as well as my lady cousin and her lips bring thoughts of dew on rosy plums i'm not afraid to touch her if i touch gruach i feel her body go hard beneath my hand and danger crouching there if she does nothing she makes me feel outside her i would not wed her if she had no land the inconvenient wisdom of my mother is not to be avoided land is land the knightly stranger shall not imperil it he is gone oh it is early i'll get to bed again and sleep till i am called he turns to ascend the stair curtain end of scene two end of gruach by gordon bottomley